Today I'd like to start the prayer to thank God for everything that he has done. So if everybody would just bow their heads before they listen to this podcast. God, thank you for the blessings you have given all of us. And thank you for the continued blessings that you give us, even though we are undeserving of them. You've given us far more than we ever could hope for or ever need in this life. And unfortunately, many of us are ungrateful for your sacrifice. Many people don't even want to see the way that you have paved for us. And today, I want to do my best to try to explain to many of the disbelievers of you, your sovereignty, your glory, and your sacrifice that has brought us all here today. Amen. P.S. God, please. Use me in the best way you can to try to deliver this message to these people listening to me today. I pray that they all can hear your word and get a message from this. Amen. Again. I do apologize for that. I really want this message to go out to everything. When we realize what Jesus has done, Yeshua, we look at a very specific concept in reality in this world is that there is a division. You have something that has always been given to us, and that is the choice. The choice to believe and the choice not to believe. And it's all we've ever had in the very beginning. Adam didn't have that choice because he got to see. He was there. Throughout the rest of the time, we look through the entire Torah, where we go into the, like, where Moses would lead the people out. When he was doing the Ten Commandments, Aaron would go in and he wanted to build the golden calf. When we go into the Book of Judges, Israel kept falling into idolatry. Jeremiah warned them numerous times that you need to stop sinning, you need to stop. Jonah had to go out outside of Israel to their enemies to tell them to repent. God has given us numerous signs of how bad and evil humanity can be. And... When people understand why, why would God, you know, let all this happen? It's because of we have the will to be free. Now, I'm going to tell you something very, very scary. You're probably either going to listen to me at this point going forward, or you're going to switch this off. 
when you listen to a Christian talk, right, you need to discern for yourself if they are speaking from God's word or from their own word. There's many things that esegesis or interpretation can lead us to. And there's many things that exegesis can lead us to. But the one way to go to God is through Jesus. And when we understand who Jesus is, what Jesus is, and how to go to Jesus, is we don't need to follow Christians. A Christian is a follower of Jesus, not a Christian is a follower of other Christians. We're not going to John MacArthur. We're not going to Paul Washer. We're not going to Vadi Bachman. We're not going to uh, quote-unquote Joel Olstein or Betty White, you know. I don't even consider them really, you know, part of these things. We're not going to Billy Graham. We're not going to Franklin Graham. We're not going to Charles Stanley. All of these preachers and stuff, give or take, all preach the word of God. But a good portion of them will preach it, not just through the Bible, but through doctrines. Now, this is where you guys are probably going to turn off from me. I'm going to preach to you about the Bible, not about the doctrine in it. We're not going to go through any of that stuff. We're going straight here. And this is where I'm leading it. This is for the unbelievers. But the people that do believe that are listening, I hope you can pull the message out of this. The message that I want you to pull from this is for you to help lead other people to Christ. Because the Great Commission, that's what we're here for. In Isaiah 7, they explain... In Isaiah 7, um, that a virgin will conceive a child, and his name would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us, right? As we go through Isaiah, Isaiah 40, they explain that a voice will be calling out in the wilderness that will pave a way for the Lord. And when you read that verse, you'll know exactly who it's talking about if you know your Bible. Again, if you know your Bible. <clears throat> if you're listening to people preach on TV, you're going to listen to their interpretation. <clears throat> if you read your Bible, the scripture will interpret the other scriptures. You'll learn from reading in a parallel. When you go into Isaiah 53, you learn about the crucifixion. Uh, crucifixion of the Messiah, or basically the Messiah's death, his rejection, his hatred, everything that the the Jews did to him. When you go through Micah and Zechariah and all these other ones, you're going to learn so much more about the Messiah. And even in Deuteronomy, Moses stated that there would be a prophet among the brethren that you must listen to. Now, who did Moses go to get out of out of uh, Egypt? He got the children of Israel, the twelve tribes. 
Now, this is something you guys got to pay attention to because this is something that's always misinterpreted by Muslims. So the Muslims that are listening to this, this is nothing to condemn your Quran. I want you to understand. Moses got the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's preaching to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as much as you guys want to say that Ishmael was a brother, he was a half-brother. And he was exiled out, and he went his own direction. He was not to share in the inheritance. The everlasting covenant was lasted with Isaac, and it went forward throughout the children of Israel through Jacob. So now, before we start arguments and stuff, we have to understand that Ishmael is completely separate. He's on his own, okay? Moses is saying the brother of the children of Israel, out of the tribes. This was before the kings were around. Judah was the tribe that the kings came from. King David came from the tribe of Judah, and so did Jesus. So we understand the lineage of Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. When we go through the, the testimonies and everything that the, um, that the apostles gave within the gospel, we know that In Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a child, or bear a son, and, his, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Luke 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there is no other place for them in the inn. And the shepherds, uh, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and set, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And the angel went away from them into heaven. The 
shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see what what this thing has ha has happened. I'm sorry, it's three in the morning. <laughs> and when they and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made it known, saying that the baby that they had been told them concerning this child, and for all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen, as it has been told to them. And at the end of eight days he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus was more than just a baby. He was more than just a prophet. In the Quran, mind you, the Muslims will say Jesus is the word of God. They consider the Torah, the Psalm, and the Gospel as accurate representations of what God has um, given the world. Now, if the Torah, the Psalm, and the Gospel are all accurate, but they're telling us it's corrupted, then there's some issue here. The corruption that they're saying is a fallacy. It's something that they are using. It's a myth that they use to try to deceive Christians in the Bible. And I'm trying to explain this with all due respect and heartfelt intent. God has given us something that Muhammad could never have given. So, the question lies is, who can forgive sins other than God? Who can make the atonement other than God? Nobody but God himself. John 1.1 1, 1 will give you all the answers you need. Because, keep in mind, everybody says Jesus is the Word of God. And in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God, and he was God. And the word was there since the very beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When we go further into this, we understand something. There is a man sent, by, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear 
witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and this and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, He because he was before me. For from him was the fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Isaiah 40, when you read that, when they talk about the voice in the wilderness, they're talking about John the Baptist. When they go into Matthew 17, Jesus shines in a form of light and a transfiguration, and Elijah and Moses are all talking with Jesus. The two prominent prophets with Jesus talking amongst each other. And the three people he brought with them were amazed. They bowed down and they're like, we need to make tabernacles for all of you. But then they said, what about the scriptures when they say Elijah is supposed to come before and pave the way? And Jesus said he already did come. And they did to him what they wished. And they will do the same to the Son of Man. And then everybody realized that they were talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah dwelling in him. And that is why he was such a prominent and radical figure. And people did not understand. As we go through the world, as the world went from the very conception of Genesis all the way down to where Jesus came, they become further and further from God. Their hearts became more hard. Think of it like a coal. When you have so much pressure on something, right? When you can finally release that pressure in there, a diamond comes out. And a diamond can shine in the sun. And that is Jesus right there. He is that light. He is that glory. He is that that gives us the salvation. So how do I know this? How do I put my faith into a book that came 2,000 years ago and 
people just are saying, oh, you just believe in a myth. It's just a myth. Why do you believe in that? We have Darwinism. We have evolution. We have all of this. Muslims believe he's just a prophet. He's just a prophet that took a th clay, formed a bird out of clay, and it turned into, and he breathed the breath of life into it and let it fly away. You're telling me that Jesus can create things. He can form creation. He can raise the dead. And you're saying that he alone can't atone for the sins of mankind and that he's just a prophet. Even though Allah's spirit went inside Mary, or Miriam, according to the Quran, and gave birth to him. No, 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 no. He can't be God. There's no such thing as the Trinity. Let me explain a very simple concept about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where it says in Matthew 28, baptize all nations in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it says, there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And those three are one. All one. You think God being something, he can't manifest himself as... God is more than what we, we are as humans. So, how is he going to atone for the sins of all mankind? Of course he can just be like, yeah, you guys are all set. But no. John 3, he explains it as he's talking to Nicodemus... The teacher of all of Israel, everybody believed Nicodemus because Nicodemus was supposed to be one of the smartest men in Israel. He knew the scriptures inside and out, studying since the, probably since he could read. He wanted to love and honor the Lord more than anything, and he knew Jesus had some special sense about him. He's like, you had to come from God. He goes, you had to. There's no way you can do these miracles and be normal. You have to be something special. And as he sits down with Nicodemus, he talks to him about being born again. And Nicodemus doesn't understand. He's like, surely an old man can't go back inside his mother's womb and be born. And then Jesus says, you know, you've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit. And he continues, he goes, how, if I tell you about earthly things and you do not understand, how can I tell you about spiritual things? You won't understand. Nicodemus, an old man, probably in his 60s, is sitting there with the Messiah, the most prominent figure that all of Israel was waiting for. The ones that believed, the ones that went to the temples, the ones that went to their synagogues and just kept praying and waiting for their Messiah to come and deliver them from their enemies. But what was Israel's enemy? Why can't people grasp this? Why don't they understand? From the conception, the first enemy that Adam and Eve ever had was Satan. And the, the Satan gave Adam and Eve sin, and from sin dwelt through men, and from all men and mankind, sin 
continued to grow. And as sin grew, it spread like a rapid plague. And as the rapid plague grew, more and people, more and more people's hearts got hardened to God. So when God decides, okay, it is time for me to come down and send my son to go and atone for the sins of mankind so we can get rid of all of this and end this war. When he comes down, what happens? They reject him, just as Isaiah 53 says. Why do they reject him? Because God knew their hearts would be hardened. We're sitting here right now, 24 minutes in. And the ones that are staying to listen, I hope that you're getting a very good picture because whether you celebrate Christmas or not, the point of the matter is, is that when Jesus was born, his birth was the epitome of our salvation. From that point of him growing up and surviving throughout everything in his life to the point when he became old enough to do his ministry he pushed the boundaries of all the religious people he would condemn the religious people and tell them that they were wrong for the way that they teach them that they shut the gates of heaven to all the people who listened to them When Romans 6.3 was written by Paul, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. He fulfilled it. But... Everybody wants to come and contradict what Jesus says and did. Now, what did Jesus claim for himself? What did he say he was to these people? When, he, when they were saying that he broke Sabbath, what did he say? He said, the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. Now, who was the Son of Man that would be Lord over the Sabbath? Because Ezekiel wasn't Lord over the Sabbath. God called Ezekiel son of man. Hmm. Makes you wonder. Now how many of people listening to actually open their Bible and read and study? This is the question. This is why every time I do a sermon on here, or I give a lesson, or I try to teach, I always say read the Bible for yourself. Don't just listen to me. Why do I say that? Because I'm just a Christian, a follower of Christ? Because I follow Jesus? No, it's not because I just follow him. I listen to his word. I read his word. I try to understand his word. And as the more and more I go in to understand it, the more I try to bring more people to him. 
because I realize his word is true. Paul was a person, a Pharisee, very knowledgeable in the scriptures. And when he heard Jesus' message and heard about the disciples, what happened? To the people that are listening, go ahead, take a minute and think to yourself. And those of you who know the story, go ahead. Just yell it out. If you guys don't know, then that means you got to read. Paul, or Saul at the time, wanted to kill them. He wanted to end their speech and everything that Jesus stood for. So, Paul condoned the stoning of Stephen, and Stephen cried out to not let that sin be held against them. So what did God do? This part isn't written in the Bible. This is just Jesus right here. This is my interpretation. But God said, yeah, you know what? He will see the light, and he will become, for his punishment, the apostle to all the Gentiles, all the non-Jews. And through Paul, all the letters for the, non, for the non-Jews came, the Gentiles. You would hear about uh, Saul, or Paul, in the book of Acts. You'll hear about him in all the epistles what we need to understand is what Paul did is he hated Jesus he didn't believe Jesus was God or the son of God he didn't believe any of this So Paul had a light as he was walking in Damascus shine on him and blinded him. And he heard a voice saying, why do you persecute me? And he realized, as Jesus said, I am Jesus, why do you persecute me? And he realized that at that moment, Jesus was everything that he said he was. So he had to go. He got baptized. And after three days, I believe it was three days, he recovered. His eyesight came back. And he went out to go preach.
the person that was taking care of Paul at the time, he was given a revelation, a message to send to Paul. And when he gave that message to Paul, Paul knew that's what he had to do. And he accepted it. Now, where did Jesus, where was the first place that Jesus was stated to be? Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise his heel, and you shall bruise his heel. So, what does enmity mean? A state of feeling, a state or feeling of being abs actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. So there's no doubt in my mind that Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, was, and I, I'm not saying this in a Catholic way, was absolutely the blessed virgin that was supposed to put enmity to Satan. To deliver, not her, but to deliver us from our sins, she gave birth to the Messiah. And when you trace the lineages down, you'll notice that they both align. Almost, Jesus was almost like the second Adam, but the perfect second Adam. So now we come down to, again to that one question with the, crucif with the crucifixion. Which this, the crucifixion comes later. That comes in Easter. But why am I preaching about the crucifixion when I'm talking about his birth? Because the crucifixion is why his birth was important. It's what led to that point. So why? For those of you taking notes or listening and everything, I am doing some little pauses here so people can actually think. I've heard, I'm going to give you a quick little verse here. I've heard many things. Jesus is just a prophet. In Deuteronomy, they were talking about 
Muhammad because he's the unlettered prophet. He's the one that wasn't named. Well, Jesus wasn't named either. Emmanuel wasn't his name. It was a, it was a state of God being with us. There's no nothing like in Isaiah where he said a guy named Cyrus is going to go, you know, do an exile. No. There's, you know, he didn't talk about a guy named Cyrus doing the Babylonian captivity. There was nothing like that. Jesus wasn't named at that point. Emmanuel was just meaning that God will be with us. And in the same way of God being with us, that's the same concept that they say right there in the Quran. What does it say in the Quran about Allah? It says, Allah is the first and the last. What does it say about Jesus? I am the first and the last. So before you go in and start trying to attack this podcast about me trying to cause a division or an attack on Muslims and stuff like this, no. I'm trying to give you guys the truth. Muslims don't believe that Allah can come down to earth. Yet in Exodus, and the same thing in the surah, um, I can't remember the exact surah in the Quran, I'm sorry, I'm not super versed in it, but there's a surah in the same thing, Allah was speaking from the bush in the uh, was speaking from the fire in the bush. Allah emanated his voice in the bush. So Allah can come to a physical plane and he can speak the same way as it happened in Exodus. But but the difference between Allah and The difference between Allah, or, or the Quran, and the difference between Allah and the Quran, uh, the Quran and the Torah, is one explicit difference: is that there's numerous times where they literally show parts of where. God would come down from the heavens. Now, I don't know if you heard, like, this weird, like, girl voice in the background that was, I think, some audio assistant for my phone. And if you heard that, I do apologize. But, um... What we need to really understand and what we need to really grasp is that regardless of what the Quran states and what Muslims want to state about Jesus being a prophet, he was a prophet in a sense. He was telling us things that were going to happen. There was things about the end times he would say. There was things that he promised would occur before they even happened. There was miracles he could do that no other person could do. So, when we realize the power that Jesus had, 
it was more than what he could that a normal prophet could have and the Muslims say he's a special prophet but why can't he be the son of God because Allah doesn't Allah is too powerful and too great and too majestic that he doesn't have a son think God has literally gave you guys a way out of your sins. And all he asks is for your faith and your love and your belief and your relationship and for you just to honor his commandments. I want you to think about something very simple, too. There's a guy that I, I was shown on a... Um, I forget if it was an Instagram video or YouTube video or something. But he was talking about that him and his girlfriend have been together and they sleep together. But he's a Christian and he loves God and he realizes that God is bigger than him and he'll forgive him for these sins even though he does fall to those temptations. The thing is, is as he... Christians, as actual followers of Christ, is we're supposed to try to resist these temptations. So we have to be strong. We have to be more steadfast in our faith. We have to be stronger and more diligent. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm any better than those people. The people that were talking on that video, I'm no better than them, and I'm no better than any of you. And I'm no better than any other person on this planet, we all fall short from the glory of God. But the point is, is that God poured His Spirit into Mary, gave birth to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ grew up, taught us the gospel, gave us the good news, set twelve apostles out to go out to preach to the rest saying that baptize all people and all nations in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and as he got crucified. Before he got crucified, he got severely tortured, beaten, whipped, his skin ripped apart, crown of thorns on his head, and shamelessly, He was put up on the cross. The, not, nine inch nails into his hands and feet. And then at the end, stabbed with a spear. Buried. And three days later he was resurrected. And what did he say while he was on the cross? Forgive them, for they knew, know not what they do. He knew that they didn't understand. He still loved humanity after all of that. The thief that was right next to him, he says, Is it true what they say about you being the king of the Jews? And he's like, Will you remember me when you're in your paradise? And he goes, When truly... 
you'll be with me in paradise. He wanted to be in the kingdom of Jesus. The most beautiful thing is that people will always say that Jesus was either, there's a, const, a, a division between Christians of saying Jesus was super kind and super loving and super nice, or Jesus was radical, he did this, he did that. The contrast is, is he was doing the correct thing. He was correcting people, and he was also kind and gentle and loving. He was both. Don't characterize Jesus as one or the other. He was both in the same. When he had to correct the Pharisees, he was doing so in a vocal wrath, but he didn't do it in the wrath that God would do in Egypt with the plagues. He did it in correction, showing them that he knew more than they did about the scriptures. He would use parables and phrases that would make them so upset because they couldn't twist anything against him. Because they knew, no matter what he did, or what he said, it would be held against them too. The woman who committed adultery, people with stones getting ready to stone her, Jesus looks up, okay, if none of you, whoever has never sinned, you may throw the first stone. And they all dropped their rocks and went away, because all of them have sinned. And when Jesus looked down... Where's your accuser? He's not here. There's no accuser. You know? There's no one to condemn me. So then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Get up and go sin no more. And that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to get up and sin no more. Do we still sin? Do we still trip? Do we still fall? Yes, we do. We always will. We're human. We're imperfect. But could we be perfect? That's the question. Could we be perfect? Could we be like Jesus? Perfect in that way. Where we would be able not to, and I'm not talking about supernatural stuff, I'm not talking about miracles or anything like that. I'm talking about can we be perfect as Him, as following everything He taught us? The rational thought to it is no, none of us could ever be perfect like Him. But the concept of it is we could. The concept of our creation and our being is that we were to glorify God with everything we have, to love Him and honor Him and cherish Him. But does that put us to this area where we can where we can be perfect or can't be perfect? Well, I hate to say it, we fell so hard, and we are so far in the age where I don't believe any of us could really truly be as perfect as Jesus. So why am I professing all of this to you now? 
And why do I say this to you now? Because as we're getting closer to Christmas Day, it's December 15th right now. And I want you all to understand one major thing. That when Jesus was born and he came into this world, he knew everything that was going to happen to him as he was growing up. When he knew all the stuff that he was going to be hated, that he was going to be rejected, that nobody would like him, that nobody would love him, that nobody would want to seek him. Did that stop him from his mission? No. Was he terrified to the point where he was sweating blood? Yes. Did he want the cup to pass from him? Yes. But did that stop him from from doing his father's will? No. John 18:37 then Pilate said to him, "So you are a king?" Jesus answered, "You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth." Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is saying in the gospel, the synoptic gospel, the one that the, that the Quran actually affirms as truth and uncorrupted, that is part of God's word, is everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He is the word of God. And if God's words cannot be changed or altered as it states in the Quran, and if everything has been written in here and preserved the best of their abilities and given to us, and obviously throughout the many languages and translations that we have, we still have the exact same concept of the biblical nature. So I ask, how come for those of you that disbelieve, how come somebody that can preach this beautiful thing and sacrifice his own life to take the sins of everything you do so you can go to him and say, I am sorry. I sinned so much, and I can't be perfect. I can't do what you do. And I, I lived in this world. I lived worldly. I wanted money. I wanted riches. I wanted fame. I wanted glory. Please forgive me. This is what Jesus came here for, to forgive you. If you just turn to him. And follow him. Repent for the sins that you have done. And follow him. And then at that point. For the other people of different faiths. When you look at the faiths that you guys have. 
How much historical evidence do you have to back on? We have historical evidence. We have archaeology. We have all this stuff that has been proven to show this stuff has been true. But on both accounts, the enemies of the Jews and the Jewish artifacts, both of them will sync up. So they're his historical. That even goes for the atheists listening. They all balance out. The gospel is nothing but truth. And if anybody claims otherwise, there's more atheists in the world that believe that there was a man named Yeshua that came into this world that was preaching something that got crucified for it. It doesn't matter. Most atheists don't believe he did the miracles. Most atheists won't believe he was the son of God or any kind of deity or anything. But they believe that he had so much influence on a number of people that Christianity was born. Now, for the final part. If Allah says Jesus is the word of God, and Allah's words cannot be changed, and Muhammad went to the sacred mosque in Mecca and the farthest mosque in Jerusalem, how and he went to the farthest mosque in Jerusalem to go pray with all the prophets, including Jesus and uh, Moses, how could he go to a mosque that has been destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans when they conquered Israel? It w wasn't rebuilt until later on, I believe, in, I believe it was somewhere close to 700 AD by the Caliphate, if I remember correctly. You can correct my source on that. But that was after Muhammad's death. For those of you that claim the Trinity is incorrect, right? If the Trinity is incorrect because it's a doctrine that came at the end of the second century, then tell me, how come the Shahada isn't in the Quran? The components of the Shahada are in the Quran, but the Shahada itself isn't in the Quran. I can't, I don't know how to put it into the uh, the Arabic language. I don't speak Arabic. I think it's called Talhid or Alhid or something like that. That's not in the Quran. The Shahada isn't in the Quran. But the components are. So if the components are in the Quran and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in the Quran, and we claim the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be the Trinity, and it states in the Bible that the three that bear witness in heaven are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and those three are one, then guess what? It's a contradiction. Realize that Jesus came to this... Jesus manifested himself in the flesh so he could become the sacred lamb to go up on a cross and to die 
to take the atonement of your sins. So when you go to him, as it states in 2 Timothy 2 verse 5, the only mediator between God and men is Jesus Christ. So you can go to him, accept him as your Lord and Savior, pray to him, and at that at that point, you can be forgiven. It's never too late. <coughs> Sorry. It's getting close to um, an hour, so I have to stop the... Um... But I hope everybody that listens to this will real realize that the prophecies all align up in the books of the prophets to everything else makes way for Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ, Son of God, and God himself manifested in the flesh to give us atone, atonement for our sins, because only God can do that. <clears throat> As I will state, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteousness and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. Zechariah 9.9 is exactly what Jesus did in the gospel. And that's exactly what he is. The righteous right hand of God and having salvation for all mankind. God bless you all, and for everybody listening, I will end this with one last prayer. Dear God, Father in Heaven, thank you for everything that you have given us. Thank you for leading in this prayer. I hope anybody who listens to this has been opened and will be willing to look through the episodes and find the sinner's prayer. I hope they will recite a sinner's prayer or their own sinner's prayer to come closer to Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior and move forward in their life. At this point, I just want to serve you to the best of my ability, and I hope that everybody that has listening has been listening will wish the same thing among themselves to serve you, O Lord because of the blessings you have given us. Thank you, God. And please, bless everybody on this earth to come and receive and hear your voice and to come to your salvation and see the light. Amen. If any of you have any questions or concerns, you can email me at ministermartyr at gmail.com. That's one word, M-I-N-I-S-T-E-R-M-A-R-T-Y-R at gmail.com. God bless you all. I'll have it in the notes.